From DeFacto Sound, you're listening to 20,000 Hertz, the stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. I'm Dallas Taylor. This is the story behind the sounds that have come and gone. There are all kinds of sounds that used to be common that most of us just don't hear in modern times. Horses clopping by pulling carriages. The steam train coming through town. Telegraphs. Automobile engines sputtering to life. Picking up the phone on the wall in your kitchen, you'd hold it to your ear and hear a dial tone. Most people just have cell phones nowadays, but it used to be you had to have a dial tone. And if there wasn't a dial tone, it meant someone else was on the line. Oh, sorry. And you had to wait to make your call. Then there's the dot matrix printer. It was so loud and took so incredibly long just to make one sheet. But at least you had a hard copy of your work and ripping the perforation off the edges. Ugh. Remember the dial-up modem? It used to be that we plug our computers into a phone line and call the internet, or however that worked. It took forever and had this sound. Or that whir of winding a cassette tape in your Walkman. And what about that plastic-on-plastic click of carefully laying the CD onto the tray? When was the last time you put a CD in? Did you know it would be the last time? Let's go back a bit and take a trip across the Atlantic. Welcome to London. We found this old recording of Big Ben. For those who don't know exactly what Big Ben is, here's a quick tutorial. Big Ben is not a person. Big Ben is not a clock. Big Ben is not a tower. It's a bell. Ding dong. Big Ben is not a person. Big Ben is not a clock. Big Ben is not a tower. It's a bell. Ding dong. Now that you know, check out this old recording of Big Ben, which is not a person, not a clock, not a tower. It's a bell. Ding dong. That was 1890. It's a time machine and it's beautiful. And I love that about audio. It conjures up such beautiful imagery. I've always said and always believe that the pictures are better in audio. They just are. That's Rick Adams. I'm a broadcaster, producer, writer, performer. So when I heard... The recording, it was chilling and exciting and uplifting because just thinking about the fascination with this sound began over 150 years ago. For the past century and a half, the bell has rung well over a million times. Just think about that. Jack the Ripper and David Bowie heard this bell daily at some point in their lives. And now, they're set to be silenced for several months next year for major renovations. When I heard they were going to stop the chimes, I just really thought, wow, 
this is going to hugely impact London life. Big Ben is stuck neatly on top of the Houses of Parliament where everybody shouts at each other. It seems like this quiet, beautiful device that reminds everybody that time is pressing on and you better make a decision soon, otherwise life will pass you by because it's been there like this sentinel looking down upon all of us in the Elizabeth Tower. Elizabeth Tower was finished in 1859. The Great Bell, eventually named Big Ben, was hung shortly after. At one point, the striker had to be replaced, but it then rang continuously until World War I, when it was silenced for two years to hide it from German zeppelins at night. After that, there were only two other times that it was silenced, both times for repairs. It's a massive, beautiful machine that somehow doesn't feel like a machine. It feels like this beating heart of the British nation because the sounds are so iconic. It's going to be weird to think that Londoners and people who work in London aren't going to hear those familiar chimes. Thankfully, they'll only be gone for a short time. But it makes you realize that so many things you take for granted can change before you even realize it's happening. We are always sort of inhabiting a world of sounds that can go away at any time. And I want to know what kind of impact losing all these sounds has on us. So I reached out to... Madeline Ashby. I'm a science fiction writer and a futurist. I often write stories for companies and organizations that want to know the future of a given thing. They give me a technology or a platform or something that they've developed, and they ask me to write about the human cost of it. The human cost of design and of innovation means sort of taking into account how people will actually use a device or a technology or a platform. You know, that's, that's like sort of being able to say, well, we have phones that can take pictures. So naturally, those phones might be used to take pictures that parents don't want their kids taking. It's sort of seeing the, the unseen uses of technologies. Like the famous saying, the street finds its own uses for things. One of my jobs is to find out what the street will use certain things for. I asked her, what's the biggest loss in terms of sound that we've experienced? And she said, The sound of silence. We are so used to being socially connected through the internet and through other technologies that we're never alone. And so we, we very rarely actually hear the sound of silence any longer. It's like light pollution, except with sound. Today, it's very hard to find a place that is completely quiet. How is this constant noise affecting us? We'll find out after the break. True silence is becoming harder and harder to find. What does that mean for us as humans? It's possible that we are overloaded in ways that we not only didn't predict, but which we are only just now beginning to understand biologically. Similar to the blue light pollution problem, where if you look at blue light before going to bed, it might be harder to sleep. I think that it's possible that the amount of sound that we are exposed to just in an ambient way really might be having a detrimental impact on things like attention or focus or even just settling down for sleep or, or mood. I think that there are serious consequences biologically to something like, for example, the open office plan. It's true that a lot of office employees are now expected to work inside wide, open, loft-type spaces. 
They're supposed to be good for productivity and sharing information. And really, what an open office plan is good for? It's really good for extroverts. It's really great for surveillance and mutually assured surveillance. And it's great at spreading sound. Which is to say that it is terrible for quiet. I think that people will seek out silence. Um, And I think you're seeing that now in sort of the mindfulness movement. That's already sort of, you know, on the rise. People are sort of seeking that out. And they're also seeking out things like ASMR, right? ASMR videos. ASMR, for the uninitiated, is Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. It's when you experience a relaxing euphoria connected with a tingling in your head and neck. It's specifically supposed to be induced by audio and or video stimulation. And there are well over 5 million videos featuring the tag ASMR on YouTube alone. That are very quiet, and the sound of quiet is really important in developing a sense of peace and relaxation and sort of stimulating that part of your brain. Thank you for joining me in this ASMR session. Today, we will be using cloth, scissors, and whispering, obviously. Obviously. With the introduction of new technologies, we're more connected than ever before. Our soundscape does change over time. And one of the ways that that changes is that our use of language changes over time. The cadence of our speech is different now than it was 100 years ago. One of the things that you hear now more than you ever heard are A, women's voices, and B, cursing. As culture changes, we speak differently. And as our media changes, we speak differently. So not only are there more sort of sounds from media, like the sound of a television blaring. Or the sound of someone watching something online. The sound of a video game playing in the background. Or the sound of the constant pinging of text messages. Those are sounds that are now part of our ambiance. But there's also the way that we speak that is influenced by the content of that media or that develops from media. One of the most interesting things that I've noticed is that our speech now is influenced by the internet. So what was a meme that you read with your eyes can come out through your mouth, through your speech. I just say lol in real life, though. I'm just like, lol. OMG, INBD. Oh, my God. I can't ask cheeseburger. You might have read those things online, and then suddenly they're coming out in your speech. So it's possible that we can have our speech change over time, and that's a change in sound. And I think that, yeah, I think that changes in sound can be that dramatic. Over the next 30 years, what we're going to see is a continued trend toward layers of intimacy in terms of direct communication and contact. As privacy goes away, I think that what you're going to see are sort of more and more localized networks of of groups of people who find more private ways to contact each other and in ways that recreate intimacy over great distance. So in-ear buds or in-ear microphones or bone phones or something like that for select groups of people, leaving mics always on as a sign of intimacy. The sounds that we stand to lose currently via technologies are sort of rougher sounds. 
the sounds of audio clipping, for example. Check, check, check. Oh, too hot, too hot. The sounds of something brushing a microphone. As microphones get smaller and and sort of more malleable, and as they get more ambient, we're just going to lose out on the technologies that change how sound actually sounds. Just listen. What do you hear right now? Like outside of your earbuds or car stereo or wherever you're listening to this. Over the next 10 to 20 years, there's a good chance that some of those sounds you just heard will either be majorly different or gone altogether. But on the bright side, they could be replaced with all kinds of new fun sounds. Maybe they'll come from your friendly robot assistant. How may I help you? Or your trusty robot dog. Maybe your inevitable robot overlords. But really, who knows what we'll be hearing over the next decade. I can tell you what it probably won't be. Silence. Twenty Thousand Hertz is presented by DeFacto Sound, a sound design team dedicated to making television, film, and games sound insanely cool. Find out more at defactosound.com. This episode was produced by Mylan Fitzwater Barrows and me, with help from Sam Sneebly and Stephanie Wilkes. It was sound designed and mixed by Kenneth Gilbert and Colin Devarney. Kenneth was also the ASMR host you heard earlier. We hope he doesn't leave us for YouTube. Special thanks to Rick Adams and Madeline Ashby, as well as English Through Music for letting us use their track, London Rap Song. Check them out at englishthroughmusic.es. Our artwork is by Mast and our website by Pocketknife. Finally, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, give us a like on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.